And now, Jabroni Studios, in association with Big Herm Productions, is proud to present to you, recording from an undisclosed location in Oakdale, Connecticut, it's Chris Burns, it's Chris Lynch, this is Dysfunction Junction. Welcome everybody to Dysfunction Junction. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Coming back to you after a week <laughs> off. Happy New Year. My name is Chris Burns to my immediate left. And Chris Lynch. And the raunchy Bronco himself, producer, Big Herm, Michael Harmon. Hey everybody, what's up? How did, how did we do? I mean, we made it. We're here. We got out of 2021 alive. We, We're we, in 2022. We did. We did. We'll <laughs> talk about that later. We'll talk about um, that later. But uh, it's, it's been a really freaky fucking year. What, like end of year into 2022. Yeah, all 10 days of it. Oh, holy shit, And even dude. the final days of 2021 were not well, the... even freaky with fucking football. Like last night, I, I, I couldn't even watch the games. I don't even want to talk about fucking football. <laughs> I don't blame you, dude. Honestly, I think... It, it, it's not a quick hit, but I, I, when the Falcons game was over, they had no shot to make the playoffs. They were eliminated last <clears> week. I'm sitting with my friends and I said, I'm going to go to the highest bidder. Looked at my friend Daryl, your team's in the playoffs. Looked at my friend Skip, your team's in the playoffs. I texted a couple people, I'll go to the highest bidder. Now, Skip originally had the best bid, which was a 12-pack and a bag of pork rinds. <laughs> I, came back, pork rinds? I, I came back with a counteroffer, 12-pack and spicy pork rinds. Mm, okay. And of all the nerve of this fuck, he said no. So I took Daryl's offer, which was a potato chip and a nickel. So for the remaining NFL season, until the Super Bowl is played and it is over, I am 1,000% Green Bay Packer fan for these playoffs. I stayed in the NFC. The AFC people came back with shit offers. I don't want to tell you what they were. but Oh, I know. It's, it's going to be very interesting from here forward uh, going into the playoffs. Um it's really anybody's game at this point, honestly. And I think the extra game added added to the season for a 17-game schedule certainly it added an extra fold to the fabric where, you know, you had all these – there's usually one or two teams that right. have that, well, if San Francisco loses and New Orleans wins and Mike does the hokey pokey and Lynch turns himself around, then maybe possibly next Sunday the Jets could potentially get in – Usually have one or two. You had seven teams coming into this weekend playing the bubble game. Well, in, in during the Chargers game, at the very end of the end of the game, when open mic, <laughs> oh, he was just going to let it tie so we could, we could both go into the playoffs. What a kick in the balls is that? Right? Seriously, I mean, I mean, we joked about it because it was on one of the TVs and it had it no sound. It would have kicked out Pittsburgh immediately. Yeah. They'd be done, done sitting on the bench. What, like, what the If you play fuck? hard and you tie, that's good enough for me. If you co-conspire and go, you know what? If we just fuck off for the next 30 minutes, Pittsburgh doesn't get in. That's just stupid. That's ass backwards. No, yeah, it was pretty shitty. Oh. But. Your team made the playoffs. Yes, it did. Did your team make the playoffs? No, we didn't. So you could go to the highest bidder, too. Send your bids to uh, Big Arm. And he will root for your team yeah, if you I'll come in with who, a good enough. You come in with a good enough offer. I'll root for whoever you want. Right, except the Saints, because fuck the Saints. Your fuck wife the is a Saints, Saints fan. That's all right. I, I understand. That's all right. She not divorcing me over that shit. Fuck the Saints. I'd divorce her ass over that. They so, got, we couldn't live in the same house. I will say that over the last two years, the Saints have 
we talked about this maybe two years ago, Mm -hmm. you and I personally. The Saints have built such a fucking dynasty to this point where, you know what, good on them for being where they are. They're always competitive. Yeah, they, they've uh, won one championship, but 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 they always, always the fight for where the fuck they where, where they lay in the rankings. Yeah, they always fight for it. And you know what? Good on them, man. And when, with Tampa being as good as they've been in the last two years, it makes the Saints fight even harder, <laughs> extra hard. <laughs> right. I mean, this was the NFC South was always a laughing stock. One team would rise up, whether it was Atlanta or you know Tampa. Carolina, right? Whoever, and the rest of them blew. Once in a mm-hmm. blue moon, you'd have mm-hmm. two teams battling for that spot. But it looked a lot like the AFC East for a while, where it was the Patriots, and then there's everybody else. Now that the Bills have come up and they've strengthened themselves in more ways than one, now it's a battle. You know, the Bills and the Patriots are both going to the playoffs. Right? They're eventually probably going to knock heads, and we'll see who's better. Yeah, it's it's just a weird platform right now with how but, they laid out. But a very interesting year. Yeah. Insofar as how the NFL worked out. Yeah. So, um, Chris, quick hit. Yeah. Oh God. So I returned to the wonderful world of World Wrestling Entertainment Live <laughs> this past Friday night. As you're listening to this. At Mohegan Sun Arena. Uh, thank you very much to the Bingham family. Uh, I went with them. And I I texted you guys about it, but I took Emma two years ago right. to Monday Night Raw, and I spent more time watching her and her reactions than I paid any attention to the show itself. So this time I went, you know, blinders. It's the show. It's the show. Mike and I went to Monday Night Raw a few times in its infancy, and you had a packed-ass arena and this little doorway, lit-up doorway where they would come through. Now you have three quarters of the arena full and this production, this giant HD LED screen, lights and and fucking bombs and sparklers and snot and ass everywhere. And the production value is so amazing. And the show was fun. I forgot how much fun it could be sitting in that crowd. Everybody's cheering and chanting and doing their thing. I I like people watching at these shows, but I was watching the show and people listening. And, you know, the, everybody was fired up. Everybody had a good time. I, I can't think of one person that I knew who went to that show who said uh, it wasn't worth what I paid for it. And that's the thing. It, it, it's entertainment. It's not sports. It's sports-like. Hence the phrase sports entertainment. But it was fun nonetheless. I, I forgot how much fun I used to have at these things. And like I was telling you guys... 12 cameras, two jibs. Um, Christ, even the ring posts and one side of the ring that faces the stationary hard camera has a light-up LED display. So while you're in the ring doing this, the light-up display says, Strikers McLynch. (laughs) It's the coolest fucking thing. They they really know how to put on a world-class show. I've never doubted that, you know. But I'll say this to Herm, because you were, like me, at WrestleMania 11 back in 1321. And it was an event. It looked great. You, you can watch it on the Peacock Network right now and see you know, all the lights and gizmos. Their production now for a basic Friday night show buries everything else except for WrestleMania, which this year is going to be held in Dallas. And Bill, for his birthday yesterday, 
My friend Bill received tickets to WrestleMania from his beautiful wife. Nice. And cool. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're doing night one or night two. That's another thing. Two nights. I couldn't do that. You couldn't pay me enough to go sit in fucking Arlington AT and T Stadium twice in two days for wrestling. The seventeen hour event you've been waiting for. You know? <laughs> right. Because they Oh, and another thing. Who in the fuck thought it was a good idea for Jackass number one, Johnny Knoxville, to be a part of WWE? I, I don't get that at all. I don't either. I don't, you see, are they promoting a movie, was, do you know? Was there a cross promotion of some sort? It's they gotta, said nothing. It, there's gotta be. There's never there's always a fucking Exactly. There's, there's always, always a, a catch. There's gotta Nothing's be. Nothing's ever random with yeah. this. Right. But he did a video. Um I watched the pay-per-view event with Bill and his family on January first. And they had a little, not a TikTok video, but like a Twitter video of Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, I've done all this in my life and this and that and the other thing, but one thing I've always wanted to do is be in the Royal Rumble. I'm like, oh, Christ, here it comes. So there we are, Friday night. He comes whipping out of the backstage area through this dude named Sammy Zayn out of the ring, cheering his ass off, and then somebody comes on the video board and says, well, Johnny Knoxville is now officially entered into the Royal Rumble. I'm like, you got to be <laughs> fucking kidding me. Oh, boy. I mean, it's not like, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, Drew Carey was in the goddamn Royal Rumble. Didn't, yeah, that Drew Carey. Didn't he, like, uh, I'm trying to think of what his role was in that in that event. I, I don't know, but he Does, joined, he was like a host matter? or something. No, but he got in the Royal Rumble, and there he was. I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? But, yeah, it was fun. I, I don't watch on the regular anymore, but it was fun to be there. I knew most of the most of the performers by sight and by name couple i had to elbow somebody who the fuck is that guy seriously who the fuck is that guy but no it was a good time i i really really enjoyed i'm glad i had a good time you know the kids had a blast too while all the kids that went with us they had a blast and uh yeah i did and thank god to the moms that bring their kids to the show because there was a lot of bumper in that crowd (laughs) Leather sure pants there, and low cut I'm shirt. I'm sure there was boobs and butt, and they weren't like ugly bitches. Like when Herm and I would go to the shows back in the day, it was like ninety percent dudes, couple females that you know got dragged along by a boyfriend or a husband or somebody. Now, dude, they're not quite like the whores that we would see at Bellator. Whores, <laughs> but there was some talent in that crowd. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You had a good time. I Thank mean, you. That, that, that's I really did. And if is, you guys... it, is it? Go ahead. Is it that, or is it that we were twenty? So twenty-year-old girls really could care less. But now you've got like younger moms bringing. That's their what kids. I'm thinking. So now you've got like hot moms in the group. Fuck, is really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe it's not the demographic. Maybe it's just the hot moms are taking their kids. To well, the, they do, the especially with all the females that are a part of the show now. It draws a bigger female crowd, right? Like, right, right, I, right, I, I right. completely agree with what you right. said. We had like three hot girls in the whole sta- in the whole stable. Yeah, back when we were, and, you know, yeah, and they were managers or right managers or, or seconds, or they were they were they were decor- they weren't they weren't actually competing. They were eye candy, but now the eye candy can get it on in the right. ring. They just started that when you and I kind of phased out yeah. going to a lot of shows. They had just started like the bra and panty matches. Yep, Trish Stratus and, and Lita the, and, do, and having the girls do some mm, sort of competition. Trish. I know, right? <laughs> but you know, Tori Wilson. Yeah, oh now they're God. legitimately wrestling. Yeah, so. yeah. It was beautiful, but um, yeah, I had a great time. If you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance to go, I know when you worked at Mosun, you couldn't go into the arena and. You know, while you were working, but 
if they come around again, tickets are like twenty bucks. They're dirt fucking cheap. Yeah, I mean, and, they're and just in, go see it for the spectacle that it is. Yeah, they're looking to get asses in the seats, so, mm-hmm. which I understand, and that that's a huge huge deal right there right now with them. Um, it's it looked like a really good time. Um, glad you had a great good time. I think it was a you know a, a good boost to Mo Sun to. Have that event there. Have it come back, yeah. Have they it hadn't come back because it's, been, it's quite a been a long, long time. Yeah. Long, long time. Even pre-COVID, it was like 2017 or so, the uh, last time? Easily. 2017 or 2018. Yeah. I, I don't quite remember. Um, I was still working there. You have yeah. to remember that back then, that Mosun's not a large venue. No, 10,000 seats, and when you <clears> cut <throat> off a quarter when, of the seats... When you cut off a quarter to half of the seats for okay, production here, and ring... Here's you... the challenge. when Fox in, in 30 days, when Fox lets go of the exclusive rights and it goes up on the WWE on Peacock, they make this place look gigantic. And I, I, I tell people well, all the just, time... That's camera angle. Whatever, it, yeah, it, but it, whatever... It never, it's never that There's big. not a bad seat in that house. Even when you're sitting there, it looks kind of small. Rem- do you remember... Oh, oh, fuck, what year is it? I want to say like 2010, 2011, when they had a wrestling match there, and they were in the valet garage filming with wrestlers scrapping it out down in valet. Yeah. It made the place look fucking huge. Yeah. But like it is it is camera tricks, let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. But be, because it's all it's all smoke and mirrors at that point. Yeah. And then you get into the arena and you can Put a camera. It's also because it's a two-dimensional picture, and you get no depth perception. Exactly. You, now it's, are, it's truly Hartford, a trick. Hartford Civic Center is not a big building either. Twelve, thirteen thousand. No, but seats. it looks like there's fifty thousand people. Damn in right. There. When they when you watch that WrestleMania, it looks like when they you got do a wide shot, and you cover people. the whole place because you don't get depth. Right. You just see a flat group of a fifty thousand people, and there's like six thousand in there. You yeah. know what I mean? On and an you see that night. camera angle that from, from like the, the 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 ring towards the crowd. Yeah. Everybody, it's all full. Mm-hmm. Whereas two rows above that, it's fucking empty as shit. Oh, this place was packed. I was surprised. No, I'm I'm glad. I, I mean, you know, going into what we're going through now, right, right now with the variant, I understand that the, the venues are looking to get packed asses in the seats to entertain and get people out of the house. <clears throat> Responsibility for myself. Or anybody else that I would know, I would hope that they, you know, just follow the rules and just go through with it. Right. Um, there were people wearing masks. I will say that. Yes, you had a there ch- were. You have a choice. Yes. Which I chose to as fully vaccinated. And if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. I chose not to wear a mask. But some in our party did. Some in our row. People all over the arena, they wanted to mask up. Good on them. Well, and it just goes to show that, that there's a level of respect for each other where they understand what you feel and what... Right. And you understand what they feel. And nobody gave people wearing masks shit, and no mask wearers gave and people without a mask shit. And that's something I've been waiting for for a long time, is just mutual respect. Guys. And that's all I ask with, 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 with this whole pandemic, especially with the variant coming up. And, and oh, by the way, there's another variant coming up. Um, what, we're already done with Omnicorn? Uh, there's another variant coming up in uh, Ukraine. Oh, and thank God. I, I mean, it's, it, my, my wife and I had talked about this earlier. It's the fucking flu, and it's going to mutate. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to change itself yep. to be persistent. And that's the, the point of a virus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's self-sustaining, and it's going to change with 
people's um, antibodies and their and what they have predisposed in them. Right. Uh, I mean, it's it's gonna. Be, we said this two weeks ago. It's gonna be it's a gonna, booster. It's here. It's here. It's gonna be a booster shot for every <laughs> fucking kid that goes into the coal. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be a booster shot that we're all gonna have to get at some point. I love that meme that goes around with the kid from. Uh, with it. We're the Millers. He goes, wait, we can st- can we still get regular sick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Herb's got a quick hit, and he said he was saving it. We're, we're, we have our usual pre-production discussion, and he started a sentence. He goes, nope, I'm a quick hit it tonight. So let's give the floor give to it, Big Herb. All right, so uh, I'm, 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 I'm flipping through uh, a Google feed today, and I noticed and came across an article Massachusetts is going to ban the sale of all nips statewide starting April, March or April of 2022. For what reason? Uh, They think it's going to save on a lot of plastic and they think it's going to save on a lot of the the trash that ends up because the nip bottles end up on the side of the road. Oh, or in parking lots or every, I see them everywhere. Right. right. So now they're not going to buy nips. They're just going to buy the little tiny bottles. And instead of buying four nips, they buy two little tiny bottles. So now we're just going to have other sizes of bottles strewn. The problem isn't that there isn't the nips. The problem is the lack of respect and caring of the people that are consuming the alcohol. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you change the bottle to, the disrespect for whoever's private property you're throwing your shit on is still going to be there. If Massachusetts would really, really like to do something about the, the use of plastics, what about all the fucking water bottles these assholes are drinking every goddamn day? Mm-hmm. And no you see the single-use, 16.9-ounce bottles of water that you see moms trucking home seven cases of that shit for their kids. Where are those bottles? Who cares about those? Yeah. All right. I see them because flattened in parking lots How, how many over. people actually, if they are returnable, who actually returns them? So I have a, a purified drinking water from Target. Here are the states that... Re- will refund you this is from target yeah it tastes like rich white people hawaii connecticut Target's rich white people that's what i always say yeah (laughs) hawaii connecticut maine new york no cash fund in uh, california right so it's garbage it it's in 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 47 other states it's garbage so including massachusetts but nobody's stopping the use of these things you can impose right. any tax you want, or you can impose any any tariff you want on on a bottle that's this tall, what inch and a half, two inches, as tall as this mic. You can impose any tax or tariff on that. It's not going to stop somebody from being ir- fucking disrespectful and and just not and thro- irresponsible. irresponsible, irresponsible, and throwing it out the fucking window. And I said that to several people. One of my very good friends who. Uh, is owner of a liquor store up in Brooklyn, Connecticut, said the same thing. He's like, "We had to." They say it's a. It, they say it's a tax, but it's not a tax. I'm like, no, it's a fucking tax. You're paying five cents more to buy this convenience bottle, and that's just what it is. It's convenience. Yeah. <clears throat> you get no refund if you were to t- return it, unlike. This bottle right here that I'm holding, which is a purified drinking water from 
uh, Target. Great and good. Good and gather from Target. If I were to return this tomorrow, I'd get five cents for it. They're charging an automatic flat tax on top of what you're paying for your product because it's supposed to dilute pollution. Bullshit. Bullshit. Because I, I drive down the road every day and see pint bottles just thrown asunder no the the actual tax isn't supposed to dilute pollution the actual tax is trackable and with all vendors it's actually tracks is has to be trackable through their sales system so at the end of the month they know exactly how many of those bottles they sold that particular money is thrown into a fund that's used to help process and keep up with that shit it has nothing to do with cleaning up it's literally about the fact that those bottles are are screwing up the landfills and the five cent tax on each bottle is going to recoup and change that from the landfill <clears throat> to a different processing method. Well, the problem I have with that, Mike, is that you charge five cents for the convenience of buying a nip. It's still going to get thrown out the window down the side of the road somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, the, it, the, the five cents isn't to if you're an irresponsible you, isn't supposed to stop you from buying the nip. And it, it is a separate separate line item because you can't charge that as revenue to your business. That is a different recuperation from, all right, this is a nip. I buy it. Mm -hmm. I drink it. I throw it away. I do the responsible thing and put it in a recycle bin. I'm an asshole, and I go going down the road, and I throw it out <coughs> my fucking window. So now this is where it impacts public works, small municipalities, we're already trying to clean up bullshit on the side of the road that people like they dump fucking couches right down here. Yeah, I you go down one sixty three to towards the dump. I have, <laughs> and they dump fucking couches down there, which the landfill has to go pick up, deliver, process. All right, so that's an hour and a half's worth of fucking payroll that you just wasted because you're fucking irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Or Fuck. you could sell it for $200 on... Or just give it away. And listen to Stryker talk shit on you <laughs> while you're doing it. That's what I'm talking it. about. No, exactly. I'll just dump it on the side of the road. <laughs> but but my point is, fuck you, because you you don't have the fucking balls and responsibility or the wherewithal to do the right fucking thing, and I have to pay for it yeah, in my mill rate. Those people get no respect from me. I fuck them. I don't care. Fuck you. That's right. Fuck them. Fuck, fuck you. You want to throw a fucking Coke can out the window? By all means. I'm going to pick it up and put it back in my truck if I see you fucking do it. And I'll figure out where the fuck you live and take the bag full of fucking trash that you spill and put it right in your fucking front porch. I'm glad I don't throw shit out the window. I would have PTSD having him follow me home and shit. Well, Chris, it's just, it's the mentality. I pray motherfuckers follow me home. <laughs> I pray. All right. Yeah. Okay. Here. <laughs> I pray people follow me back to my house. Right that, here. That's oh, what I'm talking. Exactly. Kid. That's what I'm talking. Kid. Follow me back to my house. Don't set foot on the front lawn. No. That's it. Be, be a big man, big man. Come on. It, it, it's, it's that entitlement. <clears throat> Post our generation that we within our age group that we, we, we went through. It's that fucking entitlement that everybody else is going to clean up our fucking mess. Yeah, but our parents, so, I don't know about all parents, but I, I remember watching my granddad or my dad or somebody huck a Coke can out the window or whatever the fuck, and until that Indian cried on that commercial and <coughs> nobody gave a fuck, now we're you want to clean up. we got to save our planet. I get that. Let's be responsible human beings. But those same people, and I know there are people... 
that want the pristine interior of the car who will smoke a cigarette polluting your car making it smell like shit if you're a smoker i'm sorry and then huck the that fiberglass filter out the window when they're done with their smoke same thing and i mean i like to walk i'll walk up and down the street that i live on and cigarette butts you will you will find literally anywhere from 10 to 15 and a half mile stretch it's not as much as it used to be. No. Because I think people are shying away from smoking for health reasons and price. But you don't see me, you know, hucking my my chog out the window. I, I have a bottle. I'll tuck it in, and when that thing gets full, I throw it in the trash. I get a new one. I put it in. It's, well, it, personal it's responsibility is, is that, something exactly that everybody what I was gonna, Exactly what I was going to say, Chris. It's personal responsibility. You have to own your own shit at certain points in your life where whether it's taking your garbage out recycling you know i'll i'll admit i don't bring my fucking cans and bottles back to get redeemed for five cents i bring it to the landfill i put it through recycling and let that process do its do its thing there's an old guy on our on in our apartment complex a couple doors down from me and every week or so i empty the recycling Separate the non-refundables from the refundables, and the non-refundables go in a white bag. The the ones he can return go in a black bag, and, and we have a system. He knows this, so he'll look in the bin. I catch him every now and again looking in. Is there a black bag in there? Yep. Coke cans, water bottles, beer cans, what have you. He'll take them, and he returns them. Good on him. I don't, I, I don't have the time or the patience to go and huck these bags down to Big Y in that automatic crutcher gimmick well and that's been the problem since covid is that, that like a lot of places aren't re- accepting finger quotes mm-hmm. returns and that one person per lobby so you, you you take an hour and a half two hours out of your day just to do the responsible thing but then you're punished for it because you just have to fucking stand there and wait it it, it there's no like positive return in that whole no. investment and I say just ditch the whole thing. Get a get a one of those blue bins from the city. Throw them in there. Let the let the trash dudes come and pick them up. I don't. I, the bottle deposit is a very fifties thing, and it started with the glass Coke bottles and the milk bottles back in the day. Well, milk I, milk I, milk bottles at the time I could understand because you paid a deposit to use to reuse not reuse that bottle, but to get another bottle without being charged that right extra deposit so let's say in mil- milkmen in the 50s and 60s they charge what two bucks per bottle if that uh, maybe 75 cents you put your empty bottle in your in your little silver bin. milk 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 bin they come and take those empty bottles back leave you fresh bottles of milk in the isolated uh, insulated and cooled bin that covers the cost of them sanitizing, cleaning, and reusing that bottle. I understand that concept. Right now, with with the way our recycling business is going in the country, it's more ab- about a matter of... Uh, honestly, the, the two years ago, they were talking about putting um, refunds on like Powerade bottles, yeah. milk jugs, everything plastic or metal. Plastic, metal... Why? What? What? What are we benefiting from that? I under, Other than I under, inconvenience I and storage to put these fucking pl- things in places that you don't have the room for in your house. What's that? What's that phrase I'm looking for? 
uh, the road to hell is paved in good intention. I, I understand the intention. I understand. Well, how, I do. I do as well. Yeah, but, I, I mean, understand how on. you put a, even on a Powerade Gatorade bottle, you put a five cent deposit on that. You re, you run it through the crusher machine at Big Y or whatever locality supermarket gimmick you have in New Zealand. We still want to know who you are. Junction Dysfunction Show at gmail.com. Please email us. Yes, I want to know who our New Zealand friends are. You know, wherever you are, whatever the protocol is, I understand it. The intention is good. It's the execution is where it all falls apart. Yeah, in in today's world with, like, supply chain problems and... Was that the drive of what you were trying to do here? No. No? No. We'll get back to you in a minute. Just keep going. I'm going to have him finish his thought because I want to know where you're going with it. Yeah, I don't mean to hijack the... the, the, No, it's good, it's good. ...this thought. It's just, like, you say... That's a very like touchy topic with me is that I am all about resources uh, reusing resources and, and, and recycling resources and, and just making the best of what we have. <clears throat> However, comma, when you impose a tariff or tax on something that is not tangible, I can go to any liquor store right now and buy a sleeve of fucking nips Drink them all, pass them out to my friends. The six I pass out to my friends, what they do with them is on their on their back. I take mine, I put them in the recycle bin. The recycle bin goes to the, to the transfer station. Transfer station processes it properly, blah, 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 blah. Here's the problem with processing plastic and why they don't want plastic bags in, like if you have a, a, a trash bag full of... Um, uh, Miller Light cans or Mountain Dew bottles. I don't know if you've ever seen these videos where, where what the crusher looks like. Yeah. It gets hot and it melts mm-hmm. and it jams the system and it takes two hours to process a third of much shit. That I can solve that problem in two notes. Take me camping. <laughs> Just I burn will it. take care of all your plastic and glass bottle needs. Hell, I've burned a beer can before. Oh, but the problem is, is that they, they, they want to recycle. <laughs> That's the whole po- pro- point of processing and recycling. It's not like these plastics or the aluminum or the glass is a, what do you call it, a non-renewable resource. You, plastic, you make plastic. You make glass. You make aluminum. It's not like they're mining for this shit in Texas where we need to have Well, the point is, is they, take, they take these water bottles... They grind it through, and then they reprocess it, and they make sanitized new new pieces of plastic to use as another vessel. Same thing with aluminum. Same thing with with glass. Is they the whole point of recycling is to break it down to its bare components, <coughs> sanitize, recycle. Re- Are you dying? No, please Excuse don't me. die. <laughs> Every one. fucking week, dude. At least once an episode. Oh, I got a little bit of a cold this week. <gasps> COVID. No, I tested. All right, good. But Pregnant? The, the whole, uh, <laughs> just a little. Go ahead, Chris. The whole point of recycle, recycling is to do just that. You want to break it down to its base components, sanitize, clean, repurpose, reuse. Mm-hmm. And when you when you... When you litter like that, and you throw your your fucking water bottles out the side out the side of your truck, or your nips, or your pint bottles, and that's the thing that kills me is that they're worried about the 
the nips themselves. How many pint bottles do you see on the side of the oh. road when you when you drive through work? Because you drive all over the fucking yeah. place. There's not a time I don't see Red Cap Majorska thrown asunder on the streets of Middletown, Rocky Hill, Cromwell, Newington, Norwich, New London. Take your pick. It it it, it it's not a solution to a problem. It's a band aid to a situation, and they're trying to get that revenue to reinvest. And I understand what they're doing. They're trying to reinvest that investment back into the system to help alleviate any other recycling problems they have. I, I am, fucking get that. Right. I am ridiculously curious where you were re- where you were really going with this, but loved every point you made. Yeah. Okay, I didn't mean to trigger anybody or anything with this. Uh, <laughs> but before we move on to the main part of our story, my initial point was that Massachusetts keeps coming up with these harebrained, fucked up laws. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, so the 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 nip one, um, we're we're gonna ban the sale of just menthol cigarettes. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember you, that. Okay, so that was kind of where I was going with like, what the fuck is going on in Massachusetts? Um, they kind of got to get rid of these all these old bullshit blue laws they have on the books, and they they. They kind of need to start the fuck over. I, I understand there's some history there, but they I don't know what the hell they're doing up there. One, two, three, four, five different states touch six if you count New York. Six yeah. different states physically touch Massachusetts. One of these states, whether it be us or Vermont or someone else, needs to absorb Massachusetts into their state. Call it Vermontachusetts. Yeah, like and something. Just basically take their entire legislative legislature, kick them out, bring in bring in the Vermont folk. They know what they're doing. I, I like Vermont. I, I like what they do. I don't think we need Connecticut to absorb Massachusetts. Ned Lamont we does not enough, need any more fucking power. We have enough fucking problems. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call it Big Rhode Island. Yeah, I'm just. I don't know what the fuck is going on Big in Rhodey. Massachusetts, but they are coming. They've come up with a few laws in the past few years that are just like right out of left field. And I don't know. Somebody needs to take a really hard look at what the hell is going on in Massachusetts. The state that gave us the Kennedys is fucking this all up. Era. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think a little people to put too much on the Kennedys. Just I'm not, not saying all the Kennedys. They had so you have good Kennedys and bad Kennedys. For just, every John, you had Ted. Hey, I like Ted. He's a regular dude. He's a regular dude. Not a good date. No, but, I didn't. You know, no, regular you know, dude. You know, it depends. You know, he, 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 just if you like for, if you like swimming. If you like swimming, he's a great date. <laughs> go out with Ted. Just don't go for a couple our of drinks. We'll go, we're gonna have a couple of drinks. Go for a swim. Mwah, it's a great night, baby. Let's yeah, go. Don't, don't go through a ride from Massapequa <laughs> over the bridge. <laughs> On that note, we're gonna take a quick break. Era. And when we come back, Lynch is going to lead the show for you all this week. Stay tuned. Welcome back, folks. Uh, so it's been a really crappy end of 2021 to leading into 2022 with celebrity deaths and just unexpected things that have happened. Um, the last two weeks have been really, really like, wow. Um, and we had talked about this off air and, and Herm brought up the big point is that like, look, dude, we're at the age where this is bound to happen. Mm-hmm. We're going to lose our icons. We're going to lose our people that we <clears throat> respect and 
we we looked up to. Um, but, One point that I made, but but on the, the car ride over here, if you don't mind me, yeah, go ahead. Um, when we were, I'm sure this happened throughout history, and I can't remember too many deaths when I was a kid, and I I, I say eight years old, but even through my teens, where you were floored. Maybe Thurman Munson, maybe, you know, oh, absolutely. So, someone like a Dale Earnhardt or a, a sitting president or, or somebody. I'm sure our parents went through it. And as you get older, these people become, you know, in, in, in weaved into your fabric. And as a kid, you're like, oh, shit, Michael Landon died. OK, so we're not getting highway to heaven next season. Yeah. <laughs> but now you're like, holy shit, you know, and we'll, we're going to talk about these names in just a few minutes. But it, well, it, it, it didn't have the same impact when we were younger. Right. And what, like, like what Herm said to me earlier. Uh, like two days ago, he's like, look, dude, it, it, the older we get, the more of these names make the bigger impact on your life. Yeah, especially we, now, even with a 24-hour news cycle where four minutes after somebody dies, it's a, a, I use Prince as the example all the time. Within minute, the news was out there. Yeah, and these are people that I respect and looked up to all my life and are icons in, in their industry and that, uh, that, holy shit, I wish I could have achieved these. These, right, these uh, goals and made my platform what they did. Um, the first we're going to talk about is Betty White. Mm. Mm-hmm. 99 years old. Uh, Three weeks from her 100th birthday. Yeah, that's what's fucking killing me is that like just a couple more days she could have hit this the hit the 100 year old mark and, and made, made that mark where basically one of the oldest living celebrities on the planet um again an icon she a staple in my grandmother's house every fucking saturday oh christ everybody's house was you know. the golden girls yeah b arthur rue mcclanahan yep estelle getty betty white and be, be, even before that, in 1954, she had her own television variety show. Right, and she was on like every fucking game show in the she 70s. She was on Concentration, Match Game, Match Concentration, game. Tattletales, yeah, everything you could think of in the in the 60s and 70s. And she never took herself too seriously, but yet when she did her job, she took it very seriously. Oh yeah, I mean you can see some of those like she, the Snickers commercial from a few years oh, ago. Like that was what like one of the best commercials yeah, in the or, last twenty um, years. She did. Um, since we were just talking about the product earlier, she did a guest host spot on WWE Monday Night Raw. Once yes, and she, she did. Killed it. I wasn't watching the product. I heard Betty White's going to be on. That was my destination to watch her. And her and Bob Barker did it within weeks of each other, and they both knocked it out of the park. And it. Anybody who hasn't seen it, there is a Betty White um, documentary on Netflix right now. Right. Oh, I think it's Netflix or nice Amazon. I think it's Netflix. Uh, look it up. Um, it's a. It, this was made two years ago, and it's a retrospective into her career and how how she came up and how she came through the ranks in in Hollywood and in her career. Um, beautiful. I I gotta say, when she was in her prime, she was fucking beautiful oh yeah even i mean in the 70s and even in even in the 70s and she's and, in her she's in her late 40s early 50s at that point she's still the smile and the eyes and when she was on um mary tyler moore yes holy shit i mean like you look at her and she was just so witty and just, i may have had an improper thought or two about mary tyler i'm moore. probably sure you did <laughs> um might have been last week i don't know <laughs> She went on from Mary Tyler Moore to, I think, guest appearances on Rhoda. Yeah. And then 
she went through this lull in her career where she would just do like variety shows, game shows, um, that ilk in the seventies. And then here comes 1985 with the golden girls. She has a reignition of her career and God damn it. I think she was the best person to play Rose Nyland that anybody could have chose. Oh yeah. She was just genuine and, and, brilliant and, she, and and just so witty she played that role so she played perfectly. dumb so perfectly that, uh, that's where i was going exactly <laughs> she played dumb so perfectly that you believed that she's a real person and just a good soul a good person and and you know god rest you i i, I hope that you fulfilled everything you wanted to in your life uh in 90, 99 years on the planet 99 years 49 weeks and a handful of hours, man. Come I mean, on. That, that, I mean, we that, should all strive I mean, to have not only her accomplishments, which are extraordinary, but that length of life. Yeah. That and, is and amazing. incredible. It's amazing. And, um, and just, well, that length of life under the condition she was still living in. Yeah. <laughs> she she wasn't like, you know. You know what I mean? She was still relatively healthy. She was it was she was aged. With but, the exception of the stroke right, not she, long before right, her death. She, she, right. She's she still was, acting. She's still right. doing things. and She was still whip smart. I know people that are in their 50s and 60s who didn't have half the energy that woman had. Mm. One of the things, though, don't I, talk I do... Me, want, don't, don't, don't talk about me like that. I wasn't talking about you specifically, <laughs> but if the shoe fits, buy it in every color. Um, one of the things that... And I was talking to Herm about this on the way over, is that to listen to people, yes, it, it, it's... Tragedy is, is a really bad word to use with the death of Betty White. Every death is tragic in its own way, unless you're Chris Benoit. Fuck that guy. But, you know, to listen to certain people talk about Betty White on the day or the days after she passed, normal people like you and me that we run across in everyday life, these people act like they went fishing with her last week. Because you, I'm going to miss right, Betty right. White. And Herm put it best, and I think it, I'm going to paraphrase, but if I get it wrong, stop me. You know, you're going to miss her work. You can't miss who you don't know. Is that? Am I getting? Yeah, that right? pretty much. Like we're gonna miss that. We're, we're gonna miss that her work. That we're not gonna get any presence or uh, uh, or any any new work or, or out of her. All right, because we've been around so long and we've watched her body of work. All right, and that's why we feel we know her, but we really don't know her. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna miss that we're not getting anything new from Betty White. But I don't miss Betty White. Personally, I miss that we're not going to be able to see any new stuff from her and that she's not going to be around to do her thing. Yeah, we, we don't have that connection anymore. Right. She was like the, the every man, finger quotes, to us. Right. You know what I mean? Just going through life, going through the process, and going through what we <clears throat> would go through on a day-to-day basis. I right. mean, she went on from, from that to another renaissance in movies – uh, with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, yep. and then the Super Bowl commercials. And Hot in Cleveland. Hot in Cleveland with Riley Bertinelli. I, I, people, like, make fun of me, but I thought that was a great fucking show. It was, it was interesting. It was, it was entertaining. <laughs> I thought it was a really good show. I only caught it a few times, but it, um, it was funny. It's just, like, you can relate to her at a level where she's your grandma. She's your crazy aunt. Well put. She was like America's grandma. She was like America's grandma and your crazy aunt all wrapped into one. And you could relate to her because I knew that person when I was 12, 13 years old. 
And I grew up with that person. And then I grew up watching her portray that person on television in the Golden Girls. The ditzy, dummy, Rosen Island, who is actually smarter than you think, and kind of like playing dumb (laughs) to the point where she takes advantage of that. Best episode was the uh, the dance marathon. Uh, that was fucking amazing. And so, <clears throat> if you go on Pluto TV, I think they have a Golden Girls channel. Uh-huh. That's what I'll be watching tonight. Nice. Yeah. Any thoughts on the uh, Betty White there, no, sir? No, that's pretty much it. We All right. It. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't have said it any better on the Betty White situation. Uh, unfortunately, not the only one to go. Hit it, Lynch. All right. So, the most recent one that really fucking floored me and... Kind of made me really sad was Bob Saget, yeah. 65 yep. years old. Yep. Uh, death to unknown reasons at this point. Um, they haven't d- determined what the cause of death was. They did release a statement saying it was natural, no foul play, no right. drugs, right. no alcohol. Right. Drugs, no alcohol, right. no but foul they, play. They, they did, did say in that statement, and Herman and I were talking about on the way here, when they found him, he had, his left arm was on his chest and his right arm was behind his head, like, like he had just taking laid a nap. down to take a nap and rest and just never woke up. <clears throat> so his daughter, one of his daughters... Um, 34 years old, had received a text from him about an hour before he perished. What in the fuck? Um, I like that your screensaver is beautiful meat. It's pastrami. I love it. I want some now. (laughs) Now! So his daughter, uh, his oldest daughter, 34 years old, had received a text from him um, about an hour, hour and a half before he, he perished. And basically it just read saying, thank you, I love you. See you soon. And that kind of like choked me up when yeah. I heard that. I mean, the thing that got me the most was <laughs> you're in a hotel room 3,000 miles away from home. You're doing a tour. He had just done a show. Yeah. And, you know, they say, you know, you'll remember where you were when this. Okay. I remember where I was <clears> when <throat> I heard the news of Bob Saget. I was peeing at my friend Mark's house right after the Falcon Saints debacle finished. And, my phone buzzed, and it was, I, I don't remember what news site it was. Is Bob Dad, Bob Saget found dead in Orlando hotel room. And I was like, whoa! Mark thinks I'm peeing all over his bathroom. I come in, goes, everything all right? I'm like, dude, Bob Saget died. The, the, the air comes out of the balloon. We're all like, much like with the Betty White thing. You're just like, oh, wow, no, fuck. It no, was just like that. No, I, I will say that, like... His show in the 80s and 90s was not particularly my cup of tea, Family House. You know what? It was harmless family entertainment. I like the newer one better than the old one. The newer one was pretty goddamn good, actually, on Netflix. Stephanie uh, grew up to be quite the woman. Yes. Yeah, but you got to give it give it what it is, though. As 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 hokey as that show was, it, it lasted for eight years fucking years oh yeah. yeah when when shows around that time unless you were top notch you two or three years you're out the door like eight years during that period like that was just a run and that was the time when family entertainment was becoming passe well and and yeah like you're you're, you're gonna enforce my next point is that we were a different country at that point yes we were you had your tgif friday night abc you had family matters Full House. Full House. That stupid-ass dinosaur show. Uh, dinosaurs. Oh, sorry. I'm glad you remember it. Um, <laughs> just, it was uh, very, like, family-centric and very, like, G-rated. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas now, you can't pick a a, a a fucking channel on the spectrum where you're going to get a show that has that wholesome quality to mm-hmm. it. And and I love the and fact I, re- that- I respect the fact that they went that route. From like 1987 to like 1996, something like that, ish and on ABC. When they and Friday night, Friday night is usually a a it, doldrum. It's a dead spot. It's a it's a death. Unless death. you're older people, where you watched Falcon Crest or all that bullshit, Dallas, which ran for 18 years on Friday nights. You know that was the that's the Friday night crowd. Not nowadays. Friday night is your death knell. Yeah, you know you're on your way out. Because they unless bounce you sma- unless you're SmackDown or sports, you're not getting viewers on Friday nights. They bounce you around the schedule from Tuesday night, Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and you end up on Friday nights. And then guess what? You're on Saturday nights, and that's your that's your goodbye. That's your I, handshake. I, I love the fact that when they rebooted that show for Netflix as Fuller House, and the the cast and crew comes back minus the heroin twins, and <laughs> It's always a wink and a nod. It's edgier programming, but they wink toward the wholesome family business from the late 80s, early 90s. I thought watching that because, you know, you see, I always thought Danny Tanner was a low, the the character Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget, was like a low rent Mike Brady trying to be wholesome American dad. And then. Well, then the you, older I got, you see his comedy. And, what, it, oh my lord! And, uh, again, well, I'll, I'll finish this up real quick. And is that as as the show gets rebooted, he's winking and nodding to his blue comedy, and I'm playing like super mega, you know, American wholesome dad who bakes muffins on the side. <laughs> And you're watching this and knowing what you know now, and you watch the show now, and he'll he, the, the writers would slide that joke in, and everybody got it. All right, and and you slide right into my next point is that my favorite material from Bob Saget was his blue stand-up comedy. All right, so you grow up with a guy who you think is like America's dad. That's what they considered him mm-hmm. back in the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, he's America's dad. Mm-hmm. And you listen to his stand-up, you're like. Uh, yeah, is that the same guy? Did he just say cocksucker? Yeah. <laughs> did there, he was, there was Cosby. Did, there was Danny Tanner. I'm did, sorry. Cliff Huxtable, Danny Tanner. Uh, uh, Christ, help me with the name. Keaton. Uh, Michael, family Ties. Michael Keaton. No, that was Batman. Oh. Uh, the father. Uh, Philip Gross. Yeah, but what was his name on the I show? It was Keaton. I, I don't remember. <laughs> is the only cast member I don't know is fucking... It was, Google machine. Yeah, it was what's his name there and the Stephen Keaton. Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. And the uh, um, the, the blonde and the blonde Meredith daughter. Ba- uh, Meredith others. No, that Meredith Baxter no, Bernie is no. the wife. Teeny others is the daughter. Justine Bateman. Justine as Bateman as Mallory. Michael. What's the show you said? Family Ties. Yes. All right. That All was right. another America's dad. He was just that dude. You wanted him as your dad, and, and going back to Bob Saget, which is you know the point of our conversation. You kind of did want Danny Tanner as your dad, because he was that he he was yeah he was a stiff. I, I but wanted, he was a cool stiff. I wanted Tim Allen as my dad. More power or Alan Thick. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, Christ, I'm more an Al Bundy guy. That that's that's the dad I always wanted was Al Bundy. Oh, so what size shoe do you wear? Oh, you're a fucking flipper. <laughs> Hit the remote. Hand cramped, just get it done. <laughs> All right, so um, and I I'm gonna stress the order of this of these names are not 
based on any particular like criteria or or even chronologically chronologically it's just based upon what i've noticed in the last two weeks Mm -hmm. uh john madden oh that one broke me uh died december 28th 28th 2021 um that one was rough 84 years old of what they're saying now is natural causes all right so there isn't a guy our age between the age of 40 to 50 that john madden didn't touch in his life in one way or another whether, not in a Cosby way. Not in a, no, yeah, not in a. Uh, get the <laughs> He's not jello. Jared from Subway, for Christ's sake. Jared from Subway. Get the <laughs> Jello pudding pop with the with the special <laughs> sauce in it. Um, what can you say about Madden? Uh, I mean, he played professionally for. No, he coached professionally. He never played ball once ever. He got cut. He never got. He got play. cut. In he 50. never. He never. He never played ball. He got cut in '56. He never played. Yeah, ball. Yeah, he never. He never played it down. So professional. he never played professional ball. So what he did was he <laughs> he catered to his strength, which was motivation, inspiration, and seeing the 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 light at the end of the tunnel for these fucking players that he mm-hmm. coached. For how many fucking years, dude? He's the only coach on record. And these are the two things that strike me. Three things about that strike me that strike me most about John Madden, and why to me it's it's super tragic. One, he was the only coach in NFL history with ten or more seasons as a coach who never had a losing season. Never, never. Second, he was a guy on commentary that got guys like me who never played it down a football other than out in the backyard, who. Basically, he was my football teacher. To get into the game. Yeah. To understand it. I was not a football fan until I was a teenager, and John Madden did that. Yep. And the Telestrator, which uh, CBS called it Madden Vision, but... He, he invented that yes. whole concept. Yeah. He was like, I need something so I can yeah, do so this. so I can explain to Chris Burns in Podunk, Connecticut, how this play worked. That yellow line on the fucking... Uh, uh, that was Fox and John that, Madden. That was Fox and John Madden. He fucking did that. Yeah, because absolutely. Because he wanted people to understand he was like the best color commentator. Oh, yeah, without question. In the history of football. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and the last one. And point, his excitement and his, his enthusiasm was just Oh, electric. my God, dude. It was infectious. And then it led to a franchise of his. Well, not only that, you got the commercials, whether it was Miller Lite or Ace Hardware or, you know, um, Tough Acton to Acton. No tough acting. Boom. Acting. And um, the third thing, before I mentioned the great and wonderful Frank Caliendo, is when, no, 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 we're saying what about the video game franchise? That's when, what I'm looking When you play, you play a video game, hey, you want to come over and play hockey? Yeah. You want to come over and play you know, baseball on the Xbox? Yeah. What do you say when you ask somebody to come over and play football on the Xbox? I'll be right, I'll be right there. You want to play some Madden? Yeah. They don't call it NFL. You call it Madden because it was right. a franchise name, and it started as John Madden Football. Then he got the NFL right. license. It started as John Madden's NFL Football. Yeah. And, and do you remember some of the goofy names where you know they couldn't use New England because it was a, a trademarked name? It was well, do you Foxborough. Know the story on how that went down? He got the players' union and the no, NFL to no, no, no. go he in got on approached, it. approached, and they were like, look, John, coach. They were like, coach. We've kind of come up with this whole game thing, and we want to put your name on it. And I'd like to give you half of I'd like to give you half a stake in the company. And he was like, "You know, man, if you want the coach, 
you got to pay the coach. Mm-hmm. So John Madden paid, they paid him some ridiculously, stupidly low number right then and there to get his name onto it. And it went forward. Now, 20 years later, John Madden could have owned half of what is now EA Sports. Mm-hmm. That that's how important that deal that was game, when it went down. Right, and that game revolutionized the way you look at sports video. It's games. the only game I mean, let's be honest. It started out as John Madden's NFL football. And then it went to Madden NFL football. John Madden NFL, John Madden, then Madden, Madden NFL, NFL. Then Madden NFL. Now people literally Turn around and look at that case. Right. The NFL is real little and it says Madden twenty. Right. It's literally his name and the year. Yeah. And it's and as I was saying while you were out of the room, you know, hey, you want to come over and play WWE? Yeah, you want to come over and play hockey? Yeah, it's you want to come over and play baseball? On, it's the only game on the planet that uses somebody's name as the title and is so widely. And when recognized. you just say you don't say John Madden, or you say Coach Madden, you just you have just, to say Madden. Did you get the new Madden? Oh yeah, dude! I got. It. I played fourteen hours. Right, but you're not saying, "Hey, did you get the new Madden right. NFL twenty? No, you're literally schnabits? saying one word. You've Madden. That entire concept, that entire idea, has been reduced and and surmised in one word. Did you get the new Madden? Madden. And that's and that's something that for years and years and years going forward, you know, he just passed away a couple weeks ago. Long after he's dead. As long long after we are dead, Madden, the game, will and kids won't know that thirty years right, from 30 now. Thirty years from now they won't understand. Did you get the new that, Madden fifty? Yep. Yeah. They, they don't, don't know who know. fucking they're John Madden gonna, is. Right. They're not gonna know exactly where the what what started that it started with nothing and an idea and a, and a name. And he, he was a guy that didn't take himself too, too seriously. And I, I brought up Frank Caliendo, who does the best John Madden impression on earth, where he actually <laughs> reached out to Frank Caliendo and he said, hey, I'm having this party. I want you to go in as me. And I'm going to stand out here. It was like some uh, benefit dinner. He's the main guy. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, the guest of honor, John Madden. And out goes and Frank Caliendo. Caliendo. Oh, you know, there we go. with Brett Favre, boom. And the crowd is eating this shit up. And then Madden walks up behind him next to him as if, you know, playing off. Who the fuck are you? Right, why, just kind why? of strolls up behind yeah, him. Yeah, and it, like, it was, but he didn't take himself too seriously, whereas... Um, Comedian Craig Gass does a, a a badass Gene Simmons impression, and Gene hated it until he's like, "I'm paying homage to you. I, you're a hero of mine." And then Gene got it, but Madden got it immediately. When someone they always say, if someone dresses up as you for Halloween, you've made it. Right. And Frank Caliendo just took it a step further. Someone actually dressed for as me for Halloween once at Mohegan Sun. I feel like I've made it. I right, was right, a Halloween right. costume. Right. But yeah, uh, John Madden just transcends football to the point where if you don't know football, you know him from commercials, or you know him from video games, or you know him for, you know, cripes. He did, uh, what with the... The Madden team. The all Madden dude, team. C- dude, players were literally caring more about whether they made the Madden team... Than the Pro Bowl. Than the Pro Bowl or the, or the Super Bowl. Lawrence Taylor literally talks about... I, I watched the Madden thing. He Wasn't literally that- talks about... How, yeah, I got to do what my coach is, but you know what? I got to do some shit this week for John to talk about. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got to give John something to fucking go off on. 
Like, they were literally going into games thinking, all right, the coach wants me to do this, but now I got to do some special shit so John Madden can talk right? about it. Right, so I get, I get that Madden treatment. that Madden energy. And, dude, yeah. they, they literally cared more about making the Madden team than sometimes than making the, making the game that week. And you Just, ask any player who appeared on the cover of the Madden football games, they're like, you know, yeah, I may have won a couple Super Bowls and an MVP, but I'm a Madden cover guy. Right, but right, 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 right. right. Yo, and, they, and that was the other thing. When they were in that tribute, they would hand them the ad, and they were like, oh, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I remember the first time. I remember when they came and showed me this, and I was like, no way. The, the, I'm on the game. There was a, after the whole Aaron Hernandez debacle, somebody had made a, there's a picture of Aaron Hernandez like celebrating a play, but they put a Glock in his hand. Right. And it said uh, Madden, whatever year it was, uh, Penitentiary Edition, and Madden had seen it. Oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He totally, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. That's the That's best funny. part is that Madden got it. And he was never. He never t- again. Never took himself too seriously. No, he took what he did seriously, but he didn't take himself. He didn't take himself seriously. seriously. He didn't think he was God's gift of football. He just knew, hey, I'm this big guy who can talk, and I can teach people the ins and outs of football. Yeah, to the point where after the Raiders, um, he kind of went home and kind of was around the house, and his wife was like, he was just around the house and just hanging out, and like he needed to get the fuck out of here, and um. He went to one of the colleges and talked to them, and his love of football was so much that they offered a an accredited course and basically learned the game. And he taught the how the mm-hmm. game of football worked, um, and that and it, it went for two for for two complete seasons in at at the college. They mm-hmm. ran for two years, but. Like that's what he knew how to do because he was a teacher. Or in order to coach, you had to be you had to teach. Of course, back then, uh, at the at the high school and private level. So and he took players that other people didn't want. He's he was the fir- he was Bill Belichick before Bill Belichick. Right, was cool. he was the first guy to see something in the player that nobody else saw, and he and, brought it and, out of you and knew how to bring it out and knew how to quell everything else and how to to bring that. Thing right out of you. The symphony is going strong downstairs. Oh, of course it is. Oh, but uh, I don't. I think I, I don't. And I, I, I am a little easy for me to say. My tongue is in customs. I just got back from overseas. Um, <laughs> Herm and I kind of hijacked that segment. But for you, what did John Madden mean? It was a childhood icon, based upon his coaching ability, and. Like you said, the video games, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a Madden football game. And <clears throat> Sega, Nintendo, PlayStation, PS2, any game system that you touched had John Madden. It's still the number one requested video game at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. What was I playing when you were guys... talking 30 yeah, years? Yeah, you were playing fucking... Madden when we walked in. You were playing it when we walked in the fucking now, door tonight. You see, and we, again, we touched on that earlier. He wasn't playing hockey. He wasn't playing baseball, and he we wasn't didn't say playing he football. Was playing, he was playing, playing Madden. Madden football, and it, it's he, the it's the realest fucking football game on the planet, and when, you can't get around it. When he was actually doing the voice uh, color commentary for the games, was like my oh my god, my favorite decade of of those games because <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it's like you're listening to him play it, a live game. Yeah, it's almost as good as Tecmo Super Bowl three. 
Almost. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Um, again, like I said earlier in the, in the segment, it's like these are people that touch my life in one way or another, un-Cosby-like, that, <laughs> that um, <clears throat> put me into perspective of where I, like what my tastes were, where do we now, 25, 30 years later? Mm-hmm. I'm still playing those fucking games. Yeah. I'm I fi- think the first one came out in 92. Uh, I, just 30 years. He's going to the Google machine. We need to know. I mean, here I am, almost 50 years old. I'm still playing video games. Why not? And you know what keeps me playing video games? Madden football. Exactly. <clears throat> it, it, he 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 is like the, the number one franchise in video game history. He's probably the best coach in NFL history. One of them, sure. One of them. Um I don't know, he's just a good dude and he he revolutionized a lot of how we watch football. 88. Today. 88. On what system? The old uh No Friendo? First release, John Madden Football, June 1st, 1988. On what platform? Uh it doesn't say. It's been listed it's on It's got to be No Friendo. It has to. I'm just going it's just Wikipedia. It doesn't list what it just lists what platforms it's been on. Wikipedia needs to step up their shit. John Madden football was listed as June. <laughs> wow. So we're talking more 35, 34, 36 years. Like I told you. Uh, John Madden football is a video game originally released for the Apple II in 1988. Ah. Following the success of Earl Weaver baseball, it was later ported to MS-DOS and the Commodore. Wow. So it wasn't until like 98 that we actually saw it on Nintendo. And <laughs> we're going archaic now. Like, yeah, like we're, we're, literally, we're, we're literally talking like... Um, we're diving deep. Some kid in New Zealand is like... What he, the he fuck sa- is a Commodore? He sang with Lionel Richie? <laughs> <laughs> An Apple II? What watch was that? <laughs> the one without the alarm. My mom had an iPhone too. That's what I'm saying. Like, an iPhone too? Oh, my mom had one. You kids don't know shit. Oh, nothing. Uh, I'll be you kids these. For days. real, you start the you start the Commodore 64, and then you have to go like make a sandwich, put yourself some snacks. Get, it Clean like your a, room. It took a half hour for the fucking game to load. Hit hit play. So, that music though, that eight bit. Yes, it was beautiful. We are we are definitely showing our age now, dude. You know when I'm when I'm doing stupid shit, and I'm sorry it's going off key, but the Mario music every now and again I'll be like yeah. I start I start singing it, and my when I get into a spot and I'm just doing rudimentary shit at work, it's literally what goes through my head. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm Eat like, that fucking mushroom, you asshole. Hell, we'd real. fire up Madden football back in the day and, you know, the EA Sports, Sports. it's in the game. And Hi, then, I'm John Madden, and welcome to Madden 96. And then the music would start, and you did it, did it. You didn't hit start right away. You play. No, you listened to it. You enjoyed it. Then you hit start. Then you hit start. Oh, well, oh, rest in peace, John Madden. God, we, yes, sir. We'll miss Absolutely. You. Rest in peace, sir. You were a solid dude. He is a name. That name is going to outlive all of us. Oh, most definitely. 
It'll be it'll be like twenty two thirty three. And, and like, I don't say this to disparage. We're, we're now looking for it's now Madden fourteen hundred and seventy three. Right, and not to disparage the Betty Whites and the Bob Saggots or anybody else on this list, but because of that game, his name will outlive his children, his children, his grandchildren, his great grandchildren. You know. Madden 2116, it's in the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My great-grandchildren will be playing Madden long after I'm dead. Yeah, for real. Like, it's, it's, it, it was a complete... Oh. Uh, a, a, it was a, chain, a complete change for society at, at, as far as entertainment was concerned. Yeah. And for those who didn't like football, John Madden made it entertaining. Right. It got right, me into right, football, and I didn't like football. Right. My mom like, didn't really care about football, but she could watch a game with John Madden all day long. And what? that's a, another thing. Um, when they used to get the turkey leg at the Thanksgiving game, John Madden, the MVP of the game, he would give that big-ass turkey. The turkey leg. And then the turducken. We can't forget the turducken. Dude, he, no, not for nothing, but it was John, without John Madden, it wouldn't have been what it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. He literally introduced and blew that up to the entire from a country. restaurant that he went to. Right, they it loved. was one guy. I, and, and, yeah, and, like it was one guy, and they would produce like three hundred of them a year, right? And John did the special that year. The next year, they produced seven thousand yes. turduckins. Like they couldn't. And keep all he up. had to do was Dude, mention it on I, television. He, listen to him. Ugh. What are you kidding? You, you don't like chicken? Because you like, don't like turkey? I don't like duck. Oh. Ugh. Something's wrong with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm considering banning you from the show right duck now. Duck is delicious. But you're leading the show, so I can't. Duck is delicious. Next week? Next week he's duck. banned from the show. Heard next week. <laughs> Go ahead, my friend. All right, so next on the list, um, recent, which was yesterday, I believe. Well, reported yesterday is Sidney Poitier. Wow! Oh, that was reported a few days ago, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a couple of days ago. It was a few we had, days ago because we, we had were... the thread. It kind of like flew under my radar until I saw it pop up again on Facebook. Uh, 94 years old of undisclosed causes at this point. Um, basically old. Yeah. Um, he's not going to guess who's coming. to to dinner anymore no <laughs> um the legacy of Sidney Poitier not only was he, he start he started in my one of my mother's favorite movies to serve with love um I hate the term African-American so I'm not going to use it because Sidney Poitier was Bahamian it was Friday and it was um, Friday. Yeah. okay uh he was the first person of color and that's where I'm going to stop with all the cutesy woke shit he was the first person of color to win an academy award Yes. In 1964. Yes, he was. Um, he was a stylish man. He was a smooth man. He was a, in all facets of life, he was a gentleman. He was a huge champion for the civil rights Correct. movement. Yeah, he... He was a huge... Him, John Lewis, Harry Belafonte. Yes, and he... Um, Martin, uh, all of these MLK. People. Yep, MLK. He was instrumental. Jesse Jackson. He was huge. Instrumental in um, Nelson Mandela to get him released. Yeah, I mean, he was from apartheid. Yep, that was huge. And he he, he was <laughs> I'm a. Sorry. I'm Chris sorry. is losing his shit. Over All here. I can think of when he said Jesse Jackson is the Eddie Murphy fan. <laughs> I just voted for Jesse Jackson. <laughs> he fucking won. <laughs> what the fuck? 
<laughs> running across the stage. <laughs> My fellow Americans, as, as your president, I feel, are you watching that guy in the back? Because he got a rifle. He don't you, look happy. You are killing me, Smalls. <laughs> he won't stand still. He won't stand still. <laughs> But you know, I, I don't. I don't say fuck Jesse Jackson lightly. He's he's made some really <laughs> controversial points in the last few years. But I would put Sidney Poitier above Jesse Jackson in that civil rights pantheon. Yeah, absolutely, one thousand percent. Absolutely, because he, he was instrumental in in finding Nelson Mandela uh, his freedom and justice from what he suffered through apartheid. Um, apartheid was just an ugly, na- nasty. Uh, period in history. Um, I yes, don't know. it was. Uh, you know, you're an indigenous person. To I don't even have to say go go very far and make a big leap on this, but you're you're considered a natural indigenous person on this on this continent, and but you're still a criminal. Come on, that's bullshit. Right. I mean, the the <clears throat> Native Americans have been dealing dealing with that for how many fucking years. I mean, you, you're just, you're preaching to the choir at that point. And it, it really brought the <clears throat> um, insanity of that mindset to the forefront um, yep. at the time. And Poitier was not afraid to put his reputation and his career out on the line. No, he wasn't. He was not afraid to speak out and say what he felt needed to be said, whether it cost him a job or not. Right. You know what? Fuck you. This is how I feel. If you don't want to hire me, don't hire me. Don't don't put me in your next movie. Don't put me, you know, don't make me your 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 lead character in this next film. Right. I, I'm not living here to be a superstar. I'm living here to be an ambassador to the people. And that's how I viewed him. And that's another, again, like I said earlier in the show, when I opened this whole segment, is like, these are people I consider icons and people I respect and people I looked up to through through my life because of what they stood for. And Poitier stood for a lot of good things. He was a very good man. Um, made, it made me very sad to see that he went. But again, as Mike said earlier, that, you know, uh, we're at a point in our lives where it's to be expected. And unfortunately, it's the truth. Right. And, and we're going to, we're going to lose these people that we thought were our, that, that we know that are, our icons and our, and our, um, inspirations to do what we think is right. Right. And when it, we look at these people though, and, and that's a, that's it's a just a gut, point. it's just a fucking gut punch. No matter we, what. we, we, we look at them because we're on the other side of a screen or we're on the other side of a stage or we're in the seats at a ball game. And to us, they are, I don't know how you put this. They're not real somehow. We know they're real. They're flesh. They're blood. Right. We know they're people, but they're not like actual people people to us. Right. Even if you meet them and you reach out and you touch them or what have you, they're still, they're way over here. And it it does suck when they go, but it doesn't, it it affects you a certain way. Like uh, we talked about it a year and change ago when Eddie Van Halen passed away. What sucks worse is that, you know, for Wolfgang Van Halen, he's without a father. For us, we're never going to get new material. We're never going to hear him again. We have the beauty of having a body of work to look back on with Sidney Poitier, with Bob Saget, John right, we, Madden, right, Betty White. We, we can't compare what we feel to and, and, and to what 
what right how how you feels. feel about Bob Saget passing away is not the same as someone like say John Stamos right you right know? those guys the, the, those people are crushed right now oh yeah like, they've had shit ripped when right the heroin out of their twins chest. come out and make a statement from they're gonna their be sad hovel, too yeah. And they you did. Know, they they hurt. put out a beautiful tweet about, you know, he was a generous, loving, kind man. We considered him like a father because, cripes, he watched them grow up and they grew up next right. to him. And, right. you know, whatever they do in their life and in their, their self-righteous bullshit, I, I don't want to get into it, but... You got it, dude. They came... <laughs> no way, Jose. You got it. They came out and made that statement. I was like, okay, it, it affects them. It, it doesn't affect us. Yes, we're not going to get another comedy special. Yes, we're not going to get another run of Fuller House. My daughter was crushed to hear Bob Saget died. Well, thought- right, but they're never going to get a phone call. Exactly. A text a on their personal card, phone. You know, uh, they're never they're never going to be able to like go to somewhere and see him and catch up. We can miss the people we knew because we knew them. These are people that yes entertained us or taught us something, but <clears throat> they're not people that. It, it, I'm not going to go home tonight and cry the, cry the blues because we don't have, no offense to them, Betty White, John Madden, et cetera, and so forth. Yes, it hurt. It touched me. But, yeah, I, I just, it, I, I don't understand the hero worship. It's touching at a different level. Yes. It, 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 it's an emotional response that you get or takeaway that you get from their performance, their acting, their comedy, whatever the fuck it is they did. You You lose that connection with them and you feel bad that, it's kind of selfish, to be honest with you. Yeah. And you you feel that you're I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm never going to see a Bob Sack special again. There's a, there, there's a poster on my wall, framed, that I've had since 1989 that was gifted to me by the man on the poster, Eric Carr. And when he died, I was I, I, it hurt me because I actually had a... a, a, a I don't want to say a friendship. It, it was a pen pal thing, and I got invited to the show, and I went backstage. It was so cool. Gene Simmons was a prick, but he was a prick to everybody, from what I understand. That was they, they called that the Gene is a prick tour because he was just a <laughs> shithead to the fans. And, uh, you know, when he died, I was like, fuck. You know, I was building a relationship that, but again, you have the music, you have the, the videos, you have all this stuff. Same with... John Madden, you have the video games. Betty White, you have the all the all these people. Well, and that, that that's basically my point with all when you lose a celebrity that you feel is in your high regard in your lifetime, it's not necessarily that you feel cheated. It's that you feel, fuck, man, you entertain you entertain me for forty five, fifty fucking years of my life, mm-hmm. or however long you've lived on the planet, and it it just makes you sad. It's oh a, yeah, it's a sadness. It's not necessarily like, oh fuck, I knew Betty White. Like we went to have high tea every fucking <laughs> every Tuesday. I never drank with Dimebag Daryl, but he was my favorite guitar player. And right, and that and, that hurt, but I didn't act like I went fishing with him last week. Right, exactly. It's not. Right. It's not necessarily <clears throat> a a the that type of connection where you were like hanging out every weekend. It's a connection that he. he because of his art made to you mm-hmm. and you appreciate. And the appreciation goes tenfold to what what you think about that person. Right. I and never knew Elvis Elvis Presley, but there's not a time where I hear his songs I and I'm like, God damn, I wish I could have seen him. I wish I could have met can, him. I wish I could have done anything. I, I 
be honest with you, I wish I could have seen Elvis perform it in my lifetime, but he died in what, 1977? Yep. 76? You want to hear a morbid story before we get into the last two? Yeah. Um, 1985, my family and I went to Disney World. We're staying, a ho- staying in the hotel. We're down there for the week. And uh, <clears throat> my mom loved Ozzy and Harriet. My mom loved the music of Ricky Nelson. And we had seen in the paper, yes, back in the days where people actually read the paper and didn't use it just to wrap their fucking breakables when they move, that Ricky Nelson was playing at a club right down the street from our hotel on New Year's Eve. We're set to fly out on the 2nd to come back to Connecticut. My dad's like, oh, you want to go to the show? We'll go to the show. Yeah, Ricky Nelson, yay, whatever. Like, no, no, I'm sorry. He was playing on the 30th. No, no, no. You know, according to the newspaper, the tour is going to run up through Connecticut. They're going to be, he's going to be playing either Toads or the Webster or whatever. You know, we could go when he swings up there in late January. Day later, died of died in a plane crash. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and my mom, yes, she was crushed that, you know, here's someone I liked his music. I liked his acting. I loved the show. She was more pissed that she got robbed of the opportunity. She had this opportunity. There was another one down the road, and she couldn't make it happen. That was like a bucket list thing for her. I want to see Rick Nelson. And I don't think two shits about Rick Nelson back then, but over the years, you dive into the body of work. Ricky Nelson was a fucking phenomenal musician. Yeah, he was very good. But yeah, that goes, back, that goes back to a lot of these people that we're talking about. You either didn't get to see them or didn't get to meet them, but you've seen their body of work. And yeah, it, it, you're right. It does touch you in a particular way. Uh, it, it, it sparks an emotional response to what you appreciate about this, the certain person. Like, you know, w- when it comes to like John Madden, Bob Saget, Betty White, th- th- those are people that I finger quote grew up with mm-hmm. um bob saget i mean it, his best work to me was his stand-up comedy as blue as it was it showed a different side of the guy that you never ever would expect. like you like you said earlier did he just say cocksucker yeah danny exactly. tanner said cocksucker and you know it it, it <clears throat> it's like the re- first time i heard bill cosby say the word asshole it, these were people that were icons in your life that you basically babysat you when you got home from elementary school, before you did your homework, before you had dinner, that would like kind of like... You had reruns of the Golden Girls or help Full you House grow, or... Help you grow up. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and whether you lo- love the show or not, not, you don't have to love the show. You just got to love the performance. And that's what I loved about Bob Saget because I knew... Inherently, at in 1986-87, that he was not that guy he portrayed. No. You could tell. Because it was, like you said, a wink and a nod to being the beaver cleaver type fucking, you know, straight man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had his two foils, Jesse and Dave Coulier there, whatever. Joey, Uncle Joey. Joey, Uncle Joey, and all that bullshit. Just once for old time's sake. Cut it, it out. out. <laughs> Who's next on the list? Um, so next for me is going to be um, Peter Bogdanovich. Easy for you to say. Uh, passed away uh, 6th of January this year. Um, Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease. Uh, very kind of sad story. Um, 
came on very quickly, came on very suddenly, like just like ravished him. Mm-hmm. And Parkinson's is a terrible, terrible disease. It got Muhammad Ali. Yep. Isn't uh, uh, Michael J. Fox currently suffering? He is suffering, but battling due to um, uh, experimental methods to kind of subdue the the tremors and mm-hmm. the and the other stuff that go along with it. Um, so for those that don't know Peter and his body of work, tell them some of the films that he did. Oh, Last Picture Show. Um, let's see. Uh, bo- 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 bo. Oh, there's a fucking ton of them. When you brought up that name, I was like, um, I thought it was Rudy, the basketball player. No. Not and now that. I'm typing in Rudy. God damn it. Peter. Peter. There he is. First thing that comes up. I want to see the body of work. No, he he's got last a, picture show last, Paper Moon. Paper What's Mo- up, Doc? Wow, Paper Moon, which was uh, an Academy Award winner. She's funny that way. For uh, mask, oh my god, yeah, I love that fucking movie. Uh, Paper Moon, which was a uh, thing Acad- called Love Academy Jesus. Award winner for Jodie Foster, yeah. uh, like one of the youngest uh, actresses to win Best Actress ever for the wow. Oscars. He, um, Chapter Two of it. And wow. he also was an actor. He was in The Sopranos. He played a psychologist to Lorraine Bracco. Wow. Okay, stop. Time out. Offsides. Clipping. He did To Sir With Love 2 yes. with Sidney Poitier. Yes. So that's... Un-fucking believable. There's a connection there. And and he was kind of like a maverick filmmaker. He did what he wanted to, and he did it unapologetically. Like, fuck you, I want to do this. Um, I'm going to say Paper Moon is probably one of the best examples of that kind of filmmaking. Um, just a very, very, very good filmmaker with good foresight and good, um, I don't know, good, just good vision. He understood what he wanted to do and he was not going to apologize for any choice he made to make those films. He he wanted to do what he wanted to do. It, it he like set the he set the fucking pavement down for like Quentin Tarantino, uh, Robert Rodriguez, good um, call, uh, Kevin Smith. Those guys are those ilk. You want to do what you want to do, do it. Just don't fucking apologize for it. All right, listen. Um, I know some of you guys aren't religious, so if you'll indulge me for thirty seconds. Uh, hello, God, it's me, Margaret. Um, <laughs> at least that's what I call myself today. All right, I all right Judy. I identify as Margaret. So, um, listen, I know a couple years ago you tried to take Kevin Smith, but uh, if you come near him, I swear to God, I will murder everybody in this town not named Chris or Mike. Thank you. I love you. Good night. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was quite the scare for him, too. I mean... You watched that special. How, well, fucking, how fucking weird was that? Having met him several times in my lifetime, um, like one of the most down-to-earth fucking people you, you would ever want to meet right. and just like like very relatable yep. he, he <clears throat> when he was making clerks <coughs> he finances the entire movie based upon credit cards and his comic book collection and it, it like you said it goes back to the what is the like, I don't want to say outlaw but like a cavalier attitude that Peter Bogdanovich had He's going to make the movie he wants to make, regardless of whether you feel that it's the right 
choice or not. The one movie I wish he would have made was Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> How um, much different could that story have been? Uh, Last Picture Show was one fucking of fantastic. Great movie. Uh, that was uh, Sybil uh, Sybil Shepherd Sybil Shepherd's first movie. Um, What's Up, Doc? Paper Moon, Daisy Miller, uh, Saint Jack. All Classics. fucking great fucking Texasville, which is a phenomenal, oh my lord, phenomenal fucking t- movie. Wasn't that Sybil Shepherd as well? Yes, nineteen ninety. Um, wrote, directed, produced. It was. It, some people thought it was the it, it, character names aside. It was. They said it was the sequel to the Last Picture Show, but it didn't. It, it was different, in but spi- same in spirit. It was yes. Um, uh, Noises Off, which was another great move, fucking movie that was totally overlooked by by the critics and the Academy and the Golden Globes, all that other shit. The critics can suck it. Well, here, so here's a fun fact: I didn't know the fucking Golden Globes were last night. They didn't even have a fucking ceremony. No, the Golden they, Globes are still a thing. Yeah, they just released it today. They just released the list. They released the oh, the, how fucking wonderful! The list of winners. But they didn't have a shoot. I, I have no issue with that. I don't think they should do a fucking show to begin no, with. No, just give the fucking award. They don't but, have the... You know what? And, and, oh, good point. They don't have the MVP of the different sports big award show. Why should they have them? I get the Oscars. Let's... let's no, the Academy no, I, Awards I think all aside. all of them, all of them should go right the fuck away. There's right. no need to just release the list. I don't give, give a shit what award, gown you're wearing off. at the Grammys. If you win a Grammy, get the fucking Grammy. Oh, can I see your shoes? I don't give a fuck. Who are you wearing today? I, you know what? I've always wanted to win one of those awards. <laughs> I'm wearing my grandmother. <laughs> and who are you wearing today? Walmart. Next. This jacket was made by Walmart. It's from the George line. Yeah. The pants I've had forever. The tag fell off. Don't know who that is. And the shoes? Got them at Target. Yeah, Clothes, for, clothes got for rich white people. Dog shit on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Paris Hilton came through here earlier with her little yeah. menacing mutt. But yeah, um, great director. Great. Yeah. Just everything i'm sorry i didn't know the name when you said it but as i look through the body of work fucking phenomenal yeah uh, again like a maverick and a rogue and again he set he set precedent for guys decades behind him that would again quite you wouldn't have quentin tarantino without bogdanovich right you wouldn't have um robert and you wouldn't have had bogdanovich without hitchcock correct yeah Alfred Hitchcock is one of my favorite fucking directors of all time. That's a totally different episode. I I, I can do total a, total sidebar. Do a total 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 dissertation about yeah. how ex, how fucking perfect he was. A, Complete sidebar. I want you guys to go to your Google machines, and I want you to type in the name Paul Heyman, and tell me that Paul Heyman does not look like a modern day Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, he does. I watched him waddle his fat ass out on Friday, and that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, dude, he got fat. He looks like Hitchcock. <laughs> fat fuck. He looks like a walrus, actually. Hitchcock used like mental anguish to get the performance out of his actors. He was he was a guy that, in, in, and I think going back to Bogdanovich as well. It's not what you saw. It's what you didn't see or you thought exactly. you saw. Exactly. It's what you thought you saw, like John Carpenter. Yes. Halloween, zero blood. Yeah. It's what you didn't see that made it scary. It's what you don't see that makes it fucking scare the shit out of you. Oh. And you, you just don't get that. 
I'm throwing the gauntlet down right now. Next week, we have to have an uplifting episode because all this death is just, <laughs> it's casting a pall, no pun intended, and whatever. We're going to have some fun next week. Uh, who, who's left on the all list? All right, so my last on the list is something you and I discussed was uh, <sighs> Dan Reeves mm. died New Year's Day. 77 years old, running back for the Cowboys from 65 to 72. Can't hold that against them. Um, 72 win on the Super Bowl against the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like another talent that was kind of like overshadowed by the other guys that were in his wheelhouse at the time. Um, I think he was a really, not a great player. He was a good technical player. Most coaches were never the best players. No. When you're a good coach, you know how to motivate your team. For every Joe Torre who was an MVP player who became a great manager, you have a John Madden or a Dan Reeves or, you know, the list goes on and on. Earl Weaver was not a great ball player. Billy Martin was not a great (laughs) ball player. He played with great players. But Billy Martin's never going to be confused with Derek Jeter or someone else, much like Dan Reeves is never going to be held in the same pantheon as Emmett Smith. And but the, the the point is they learn from those good players and learn how to motivate their players to play to that. There's potential. a reason why backup quarterbacks like John Harbaugh or even Jim Harbaugh or Jason Garrett, who spent more time on the sidelines holding a clipboard calling plays in, they become great coaches. But you could not take, and I'll, I'll say this till they're um, focused on how the game is played. Exactly, they're not focused on being. In the game exactly. and playing the game. Dan Marino. They're seeing it from a third person. Dan Marino is a great commentator. Boomer Sison, great commentator. Uh, Tom Brady eventually one day I think would be a fantastic commentator. <clears throat> but when you look at, say, for every Jeff Gordon who went on to go into the booth in NASCAR and was a great analysis, an analyzer, analysis, help me here. Analyst. That analyst, thank you. Analyst. Well, for Jeff Gordon, anal is the operative word. You know, Right, you've but got a you hundred Tony Stewart. Look at those commentators: Clint Boyer, never the best; Kyle Petty, never the best; Michael Waltrip, never the best. But they saw, they see things from a different eye that you know the greats couldn't. I dare say you couldn't have Dan Reeves as a coach if he were a phenomenal knockout player. Right, and you know he coached the Denver Broncos. Um, he unfortunately, I don't think he was part of the Super Bowl run in ninety. No, he never had a Super Bowl run with them. Nope. Uh, he went to the Super Bowl with Atlanta in yeah, uh, nineteen ninety nine. It was three years later when Shan- after Shanahan took over. Yeah. Um, he went to the Super Bowl with Atlanta. We got crushed. Um, <laughs> it seems to be a running fucking theme around here. Um, but as a coach, just he was a chill guy. He wasn't one that got in faces and grabbed face masks. He got the most out of his players just by relating to them. And again, an enduring memory. The, the fact that he lived till 2022 when he had a heart attack on the sidelines in 98 with I, the Falcons. I remember that too. And the game, it, it stopped for a, a spell, but, you know, the game goes on. We have to play the game. We're going to take him to the hospital. You know, they played that game for him. And win, lose, or draw, I don't remember the outcome. It was, you know, it showed his toughness when four weeks later he's back on the sidelines against doctor's orders. This is what I do for a living, and I am really good at it. 
and I'm going to go back to work because I can't sit in this house one more fucking day. Right. And Dan Reeves was just that kind of guy, inspirational, much like a Coach Gibbs, much like a Jimmy Johnson, the football coach, not the gay-ass NASCAR driver, um, like a John Madden. But overshadowed, had Madden not passed away, Coach Reeves is a bigger story than it is. Well, these are guys that learned how to exploit people's strengths and cater to their weakness. You you want to cater to their weakness to the point where you're like, make them confident and like, I know you don't like I know what you're this. saying. Accentuate the positives, yeah. mask the negatives. Exactly. And then what, once you get those negatives kind of like blanked out to make them not think about it, make not make them self-conscious about what those negatives are on the field, you're going to, you're going to make a phenomenal ball team, whether it's baseball, football, hockey, uh, soccer, whatever. If you're a good fullback in soccer and I switch you out to right wing and you're not so strong in it, what what am I going to do? You lost me at soccer. I was just going to say nobody cares about soccer. Radio free five minutes. (laughs) No, my point is, though, is like if you're a good fullback in soccer, but you're a terrible right or left wing on those positions, what am I going to do? I'm going to challenge you to get better. I'm gonna make you get fucking better at those. You could positions. have said shortstop and third base. You could have said middle linebacker I, versus outside linebacker. The I know fact you guys that you went European football on my. I ass. know you guys don't follow soccer, and, and you know I played soccer as a youth. I know you did, and and oh, I did too, but I could care less about it now. <laughs> I honestly, I could too, but it, it. My point being is that you're going from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. You have to understand. <clears throat> the defensive and the offensive part of the entire component of the game, whether you're a shortstop, a pitcher, a catcher, a, a fucking left fielder, a full. Oh, okay. No, I see where back. you're going with this. Um, f- you have to. Un- if you can't be a well-rounded player unless you played every fucking. To me, personal, personal opinion. You got to try it. You got to try every fucking position on that field to understand exactly what the other player goes through because it you're if you're the first guy to fucking complain if you're a uh, right cornerback mm-hmm. to complain about somebody else on your team that you and you don't understand their role well then you got nothing you got all your errors just fucking okay, wasted okay so when it comes to Dan Reeves and I'll say this now when you look at that 1998/1999 Falcons team <clears throat> You have, for every Ray Buchanan, for every Jesse Tuggle, for every, uh, what was his name, Jamal Anderson, you had a team of stiffs. When your kicker is older than dirt, Morton Anderson, when your quarterback has played for every team and got cut from every team, like Chris Chandler, he took a collection of stiffs and three or four potential superstars to not only a 14-2 and record, nobody... They they were the first seed that year, and nobody gave them half a chance. They go all the way to the Super Bowl, and then the Broncos ate their lunch, kissed their wives, and <laughs> walked out of the house with everything they owned. Thirty four to nineteen. I'll never fucking forget it. But Kiss played the pre show, made it all good. Um, Dan got the most, uh, much like Coach Madden, he got the most out of people that nobody gave a chance to. Right, and that's the important part about about a pro sports. I think personally, is that you again you have to put those people in that scenario and situation where you're not comfortable with, 
fucking break them out of the, your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 put them in your in the QB's eyes. Put them in the center's eyes. Put them in the kicker's eyes. Put them in whatever fucking defensive or offensive backers that you want. To make them understand this is what makes the component work. This is a machine. I can replace you with a different cog. May not work. But I can re- pull you out and put a new, fresh new cog in, shiny and oily, and get a better result or the same result. Guess what? If it's the same result, that's on me as a coach. Right. And that's how I feel that um, Dan Reeves filled his position with as being a coach is because he, he would take the brunt and the hit for, oh, I'm, fuck it, made a, made a mistake. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, coached your team for several years. You're you did, uh, you're did. wearing you're wearing the uh, colors right now of the Denver Broncos. I am. Uh, your your opinion on Dan Reeves? Uh, I liked him as my, as our coach. Um, I didn't really pay attention to him as a player, and I didn't pay attention to him after he left uh, the Broncos. But I was very happy with him. Um, he had some great years during the during the Elway the Elway years. Man, it was. Those two did some amazing shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's it. He was just a great coach, and he did a really great job with my favorite team. Yeah, brought them from also Rands to perennial championship contenders. Yeah, like yearly, like top, like yeah, top, like they had you know three yearly. They had you know much like a lot of teams they have the ups and they have the downs and coach Reeves you know endured all of that but once he got his system in place they became perennial contenders yeah and then yeah. he he goes and Shanahan comes in and they go to two Super Bowls Shanahan got dealt a good hand by coach Reeves yeah he, Shanahan walked into a good team and just tweaked it yep much like uh, the the comparison of uh, Joe Torre and Joe Girardi, Joe Torre left behind a fantastic team. Girardi takes them and they win the championship in two thousand nine. The Yankees, right? But that's not because Joe Girardi's a great fucking coach. It's because you got handed four aces by Joe Torre, right? And you know when I look at Coach Reeves and what he leaves behind is. Much like everybody we've, we've talked about on this list, he did it his way, but I liken him a lot, and I said it earlier, to Coach Gibbs, where he didn't have to yell. His words meant more than the volume right. of his words. Right. right. And Coach Reeves got the most out of people you thought the least of. Agreed. Yeah, anything else? Final thoughts on uh, the great exodus of wonderful people in the last two weeks well just like i said earlier um it's kind of a shock to the system that we're losing these icons in our in our lifetime and as mike herman said earlier it's to be expected um just sucks you know these are people that we grew up with that we went through our professional sports career following or acting following or whatever whatever the case may be. And we, we followed them diligently and we followed them and appreciated them for anything they did. And it's just sucks that, you know, here's another talent we're losing. Yeah. You know, um, 
I'm sure the next couple of weeks are going to be just as fucking shitty because everybody's getting up there in age. Let's hope not. Nobody's... Bob Barker is right now, I think, is the oldest American icon on the list at 98. So it, it, once again, hi, God, it's me, Margaret. Um, that's who I identify as today. Um, can you not take Bob Barker this year? Thank you. Um, and please and, remember to spay or neuter your pets. And be with the starving pygmies in New Guinea. Amen. <laughs> no, I, I just think that... Um... You know, we're, we're, us as a generation are going to start losing these icons in our, in our life that we respect and grew up mm-hmm. with. Right. And it's just a fact of life. It's unfortunate. And if you have any thoughts that you would like to share, junctiondysfunctionshow at gmail.com. You can send in your thoughts of any of these wonderful icons that we've lost, show ideas, critiques, criticisms. Um, you want Herm's pastrami recipe? Maybe he'll give it to you. I Doubtful. Might. Now I might. <laughs> with the with the two or three so minutes we have left, I'm gonna ask Herm a question. It's a production question. Uh what was our highest rated episode that we've done so far? Uh right now the episode with the most views is Questions from the Hat, episode three. Then I am throwing an executive order on the table next week. We are going back to the hat. We're gonna have some fun. And I hear drums in the distance. Oh, shit. They're coming to get us, Lynch. There they are. All right. For Big Herm, for Chris Lynch, my name is Chris Burns. We will see you next week from the hat. <laughs>